Opening day is coming up on uh, Monday. Home opener, I should say. Coming up on Monday, you can get your tickets at ticketsforless.com. Uh, they got great seats, all the seats, even suites available, crown seats, Diamond Club. Get them all at ticketsforless.com. Call 913-685-3322. Our thanks to uh, Dan and all his uh, crew out there, as it was great being over there at Tickets for Less. Great KC company and your spot for tickets to any game. Headed up to Minneapolis tomorrow. They can get you tickets to Royals and Twins in Minneapolis, plus Broadway shows. Uh, every kind of ticket, you can get it at ticketsforless.com. Uh, let's talk to uh, Derek Wetmore. He is in Minneapolis as he uh, covers the uh, Twins for ESPN 1500. Derek, how are you, sir? I'm good, Seren. Happy to have baseball back. It, it is. It is nice to have it back, and I'm sure it's nice to get off to a winning start with the uh, the uh, Minnesota Twins. Big win on uh, opening day. What 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 are the expectations for the Twins overall this season? Well, you mentioned the start. It's better than last year when they got off to that 0 and 9 start and never really seemed to be able to recover. Um, the thought is kind of split locally because two years ago it was essentially the same team. They won 83 games, and they were mathematically in contention for the postseason all the way to the final weekend uh, when the Royals swept them here at Target Field, I think. And last year, of course, they fell off the map. They lost 103 games. They were kind of the laughing stock of baseball, and not really much had changed about the team. Well, fast forward to this year, basically nothing's changed about the team again. It's pretty similar. Rosh, they signed Jason Castro, the catcher, to a three-year deal. They're hoping some of their pitchers – bounce back and have a better year and then they're hoping some of the young kids the byron buxton's the max kepler's uh, miguel sanos they're ready to take that next step forward and kind of be the core of the team but fans aren't buying it yet fans have been slow to adopt to this team and that kind of happens when you lose 103 games the year before um it's kind of a kind of a wait and see year for me i i could see them being a 500 ish club but that would be if everything goes right so it, it might be another long summer for the Twins, but I guess we'll have to wait and see how the young guys do. Yeah, wh- where is the pitching? Where is the young pitching for, for being added on the rebuilding process as long as they've been? Um, n- not just the guys on the big league roster, but when you look down into the prospect level, you're not seeing the kind of names that maybe you would normally expect to see. Is anybody uh, disappointed at the, their level of young pitching? Yeah, well, you're right about that. They've had some prospects graduate i mean miguel sano and byron buxton were sort of at the tops of those lists but now they're big leaguers uh, max kepler was really well thought of so was like an eddie rosario um jorge polanco certainly a well-regarded prospect but those guys are here now and they're expecting them 22 23 24 years old to start carrying the club on the pitching side of things it hasn't been quite as strong for the twins the past couple years um, big, their biggest prospect on the pitching side would be Jose Barreos. He's in AAA Rochester right now after he missed a lot of spring training. He was pitching for uh, Puerto Rico in the WBC and it just didn't get very many innings. So you'll see him at some point this summer. He's got electric stuff, uh, struck out 11 batters per nine in the in the minor leagues. He's, he's one of the guys to watch for sure, but last year got – roughed up quite a bit at the big leagues he had like an eight dra or something like that and a dozen starts and that would be a big step forward for the rotation if Borreos can fulfill some of the promise that he's shown in the minor leagues um but otherwise it's it's sort of a, a bare cupboard at least at the highest levels of the minor leagues they do have some pitching prospects with some high ceilings you know lower lower down the spectrum fernando romero is a, a name to watch in the next couple of years um but 
in terms of starting prospects, it's really more like mid to back rotation guys that they're hoping surface in the next couple of years. And, and keep in mind that Derek Falvey came over from the Indians in November and he took over for Terry Ryan, who'd been running the show basically for 20 years or so stepped down for a couple of years in there, but but Falvey's going to be the one tasked now with sort of restocking the cupboards, and he was noted in his time with the Indians as being a pitching guy. So we'll see how long it takes for the Twins to turn that around, but I certainly don't think it's going to be immediate. What did he preach? I mean, we know when Dayton Moore came in here, it was it was ta- you know he he spent all of his time talking about rebuilding the farm system, reestablishing mm-hmm. roots in Latin America, and we've we've seen him do that, work at it. Fans get frustrated because it took longer than they wanted. Then come out the other end with it all coming together and ultimately culminating in in a world championship. What was the pitch that the new regime made when they came on board? Well, Falvey's big thing is collaboration. That everybody, you know, whether you are an intern in the baseball ops department or you're the vice president, if you have something to say that you think can help, Bring it up at a meeting. These meetings are all inclusive. So he's he's all about collaboration um, on the sort of on the executive side, but on the playing side, it's it's hard to say exactly. But one of the things that I've been kind of curious about and see how this unfolds is his pitching program. He talks about you know trying to get the best out of each pitcher. Now that's so cliched; it's almost not even worth bringing up. But the regularity with which Falvey talks about things like that, I, I think, make it important. When he talks about a guy, let's look at the Indians' staff for a second, because it's not just that they spent a lot of money on, like, let's let's throw out an example, like a Zach Greinke-type contract, and brought somebody in and said, okay, well, now the pitching staff is fixed. We've got Zach Greinke, and the rest will take care of itself. The Indians' pitching staff, which went all the way to Game 7 of the World Series last year, built on a guy like Corey Kluber, who was sort of an afterthought when the Indians traded for him. Danny Salazar, uh, you know, Carlos Carrasco, and then go over to the bullpen. Even before talking about a guy like Andrew Miller, you've got Cody Allen, Zach McAllister. They just they had a way in Cleveland, it seemed, of unearthing pitching talent and not only seeing guys that other teams maybe didn't value as highly, but also then getting the most out of those players. And that's what I'm curious to see, not only at the big leagues, but in the minor leagues too, will Falvey – and company be able to get the most out of a Jose Barrios? Will they be able to get the most out of a Kyle Gibson? If you can start to do that across a couple dozen pitchers in your pitching uh, or in your organization, well, the pitching then starts to fix itself even without adding big names. So he, he talks a lot about that pitching program and getting the most out of players. Now, whether that's lip service or whether there's actually going to be something that, uh, that's quantifiable here in over the summer, that part remains to be seen. Um, where does Paul Molitor fit, or does he fit? Is he just kind of the guy who's taking the bullets while the team is down and out, and then uh, they'll go get the guy they really want to run the show? It's tough to say. We kind of talked about that last summer. I remember you and I were talking when uh, Terry Ryan got fired that right. – Molitor's in kind of a weird spot. This is the last year of a three-year deal for him as manager, and obviously you lose 103 games, people start talking about your job. So it's not 100% clear where this is headed. He doesn't have – he said this spring that there haven't been no uh, contract extension talks, and if you're you're the front office, why would you be looking at that right now? Um, I think it's kind of a prove-it year for Molitor, but he seems at least – 
publicly very much at peace with that. Just, you know, I know these jobs are always going to be coming under fire. And, and it's easy to speculate from the outside, you know, hey, new management taking over. The owner stuck him with the manager and said, this is my guy for next year. You're, you're, this is your manager. Well, it's pretty easy to then connect some dots and make some assumptions and say, well, they're probably going to want to bring in their own guy, maybe someone who's more uh, open to their suggestions on the lineup. Um, but it's it's not abundantly clear that he's definitely on the way out. It just would seem that new guys come in, you'd think that they'd probably want their own guy. There hasn't been a lot of talk about that, obviously. And if the Twins do well this year, I think it'd be – a much better sign for Molitor going forward. If they have a bad season, man, just from the outside looking in, it, it'd be really tough to see them signing some kind of extension for Paul Molitor, and rather maybe they do just want to go in a in a different direction with their own hand-picked manager rather than the one they inherited. Is your expectation that they will be uh, shopping Dozier and, and Irvin Santana as, as the deadline rolls around? I would think so. I think, um, you know, there was a lot of rumors, obviously, this winter about Dozier. And, and would he go to the Dodgers? Would they would they pay up in terms of prospects? Uh, I think Irvin Santana is the one that sort of flew under the radar. But, you know, you've seen the contracts going around for pitching. You've seen what teams will pay for a, you know, 37-year-old Rich Hill. Santana's got basically two years and $28 million left on his deal because he, he's got an option year for 2019 but there's a one million dollar buyout you can take so at that price that's that's kind of the going rate Irvin Santana's their ace but that's just by default he's more of a mid-rotation starter in my book and for any contending team he wouldn't be starting game one of the postseason he'd be you know maybe he's a game three starter maybe he's a fourth starter in a really good rotation um, but that's the guy that I would look to move. I don't see the Twins being World Series contenders in the next two years. And if you can turn a veteran pitcher on a decent, but it's not like it's a huge steal of a contract, so they're not going to get a bounty of prospects. But if you can turn him around, get out from under that contract, and that's something that would have value to a contender. Maybe you get something for it in return. I think that's the one that I'd really watch this summer, especially if things go south. I mean, if the Twins are non-competitive, in early mid-July, you're really going to start some, seeing some rumors fly uh, with some of their veterans. You mentioned the two big names, but Dozier got a lot more talk this winter. I, I'd actually think it's more likely Santana gets traded this summer. Yeah, Derek Wetmore is with us uh, from ESPN 1500 in uh, Minneapolis. Byron Buxton, I'm interested in because the Royals have their own kind of version—a junior version, a diet version. Uh, nobody was was you know his his name was mentioned. Uh, as a Buxton-like guy, and, and that's Bubba Starling. Uh, Buxton's name was mentioned as a Mike Trout guy uh, when he was, mm-hmm. you know, signed. It was that all-around athlete, and and you know, bring everything to the table. Got to the big leagues very quickly. Had an incredible start to his minor league career. Uh, then you know, reality kind of set in. Got to the big leagues, struggled, went back down, uh, even back down last year uh, as well. Then came back and had a strong finish to September. Uh, he's not as big as Mike Trout. That, that's one of the things that, like, when I finally saw the kid, because, you know, for the most part, you, know, you see him on draft day and then you read numbers about him. I, I'm not going to tell you I sit here and watch <laughs> yeah. minor league games on my computer all the time. Some people do. I'm right. not one of those guys. Uh, but when I saw him, I'm like, you know, Mike Trout's an outside linebacker in an NFL lifting program. He is a big guy. Um, Buxton's mm-hmm. not that big. Um, what what are the expectations now that, that we've seen him – 
you know, be human, be a normal big leaguer, uh, but then also bounce back and have a really nice September to finish things up. What what do they think they got yeah. now? Yeah, well, Buxton, if Trout's an outside linebacker, Buxton would be skinny for a cornerback. Yeah. I mean, they're they're just two different body types. I, I think the Trout comparisons really started to emerge because both had played at in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, in, uh, in A-ball, and their numbers were comparable. I mean, Buxton put up some eye-popping numbers, and just comparing him to Mike Trout is setting him up to be a disappointment. So I, I'm not going to go that far, but in terms of the Twins' expectations, I mean, look no further than the fact that they have him batting third. I know for the second day in a row. What you know? the hell so that, for? That clearly, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I talked to Paul Mulder about that this morning, and I kind of asked, you know, is there a balancing point for you where you want to have a guy who you know, like he wants to believe that you have confidence in him. So writing him third in the lineup obviously shows you, but also. The flip side of that coin is you're expecting so much out of a guy who in December turned 23. That's that, Those are lofty expectations. I think the 30,000-foot view that I have on Byron Buxton is that he's uber-promising, but September's strong numbers don't guarantee anything. Yeah. I mean, he was rushed to the big leagues, and he failed, and he failed, and he failed, and he failed, and they had to keep sending him back. They'd call him up. And in September, the story is, anyway, that he just kind of threw caution to the wind. He stopped trying to fulfill other people's expectations. He says he went out and just had fun playing baseball. Well, it's a lot more fun to have fun playing baseball, or it's a lot easier, I should say, to have fun playing baseball when you're hitting 287 with like a 600 slugging percentage and nine home runs in the month of September. And that's pretty fun, I'd imagine. Um, I don't know that I'd expect that kind of a month from Buxton, especially this early in his career. But don't overlook the fact that they are batting him third. I think that says everything you need to know about what Paul Molitor expects out of Byron Buxton. Uh, Worst-case scenario, I think he's a gold-glove caliber outfielder who struggles to make enough contact uh, to, to ever hit for a very high average. But there is some power in his bat. There's definitely some speed. So he's going to turn some singles into doubles, some doubles into triples, and he'll leg out some infield singles. Um, But for people who – Twins fans are, I think, at least the vocal ones on social media, are kind of down on Buxton for how much he struggled so early in his career. They tend to forget that he's 22 years old, and a lot of guys are getting into double A, whereas Buxton has two years in the big leagues where where his uh, shortcomings have been on display for the world to see. So I, I I would be concerned about the contact if I'm the Twins because he just swings and misses so often and oh. it seems like he gets himself into that 0-2 count all the time. Um, you know, you blink and he's 0-2 up at the plate. But the flip side of that, too, is when he does make contact, he can make pretty decent contact in the combination of power and speed and defense, range, arm, all that stuff. I mean, you can see why why scouts have been raving about Buxton for a couple of years now. Yeah, um, I had a good spring. I know the September's kind of 4A baseball a lot of times, uh, depending upon who you're playing on, on a given night. And, sure. and so you take it all with a grain of salt. You, you can see the tools and everything. But, you know, I, I extended his contract by two years on my fantasy team. So it, it's, nice. th- this needs to be handled properly by Paul Molitor, or he'll have yeah. to answer to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah. I didn't, yeah, well. I, didn't I, I didn't like the number three spot. And, and the swing and miss that he had, I think, was in the sixth or seventh uh, before the Twins got their rally. I mean, the, the inning before, he had an opportunity maybe with somebody on base, and the swing and miss was like, 
dude, open your eyes first before you swing because you were not even close to that pitch. So um, he has that sometimes. He, yeah. he just has this weird. It's it's and what I've thought it was for a long time is pitch recognition. It's that he doesn't see the slider coming and he swings over the top of it like it's a fastball. I think it's partly it's a combination of that. But there are also times where he last year anyway. I'm talking didn't always realize what pitchers were trying to do to him. Try to get ahead uh, in the strike zone because they didn't, you know, they weren't afraid that he was going to take them deep on the first pitch. And then once they are ahead, try to get him to expand the strike zone. I think he just did that a little too much for my comfort last year. But then I balanced that against the idea, well, okay, he's 22, 23, 24 years old. This is part of the learning and maturation process. The Twins are looking for him to take that next step this year and uh yeah i'm curious to see how long this number three thing lasts because you talk about putting expectations on a guy here's a lineup that's expected to be in the top half in the the league and runs scored by the time it's all said and done and byron buxton is batting third so definitely uh something to watch he's probably the most pivotal player with that that's not an overstatement at all the most pivotal player on the 25-man roster. If he's great this year, the Twins could have a year. And if he continues to struggle the way he has for most of his big league career, it's going to be a long summer for the Twins. We're talking to Derek Wetmore from ESPN 1500 in the Twin Cities. Derek, my final four, four quickies uh, for you. I'll start you with this. How many wins do the Twins finish with? What's your expectation? I picked 78 earlier this season. i, I got to stick with that. It's optimistic, but... I could see that uh, if the young players do take that step forward. Um, I'm going to be the high watermark on most of those projections, but that's that's been my number. All right, more popular in Minneapolis, Andrew Wiggins or Carl Anthony Towns? Carl Anthony Towns. I think it's his team. I think he's the clear, if you, as you project several years in the future, he's the superstar, whereas Wiggins is kind of the uh, – I guess the Robin to his Batman. Okay. Uh, listed at 260 pounds. What does Miguel Sano really weigh? Uh, I heard this spring 268. Um, he looks maybe a little bit trimmer than yeah. last September, but that to me says more about uh, his September weight than his his present. You said Mike Trout's an outside linebacker. I guess that would make Miguel Sano a defensive end. Yeah, or, or maybe even tackle. I mean, in, in the weight program yeah. there. Uh, <laughs> He's I, a big boy. I heard some people uh, saying that, uh, you know, when we play the Twins, we, uh, when the Royals play the Twins, there's a uh, run a couple of laps after this. That's one of my pet peeves. Uh, when the Royals played the Twins last year, uh, that they that somebody said he, they thought they'd seen 290 on a scale with him. And I was like, oh, he looks it. I mean, he, big boy, not a big fat ass. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know that he's you know no, going to win yeah. any ab contest or anything, but but just a massive human being. And I, and I could not figure out for the life of me why he was running around the outfield uh, last year. Right. But. Well, still makes me scratch my head to this day. I, I'm curious to see if he'll be able to hold down third base. But he is. It's, it's in the shoulders. It's in the chest. And it's in his just massive legs. I mean, yeah. this guy probably couldn't weigh less than two fifty-five if he if he if he wanted to. Um, I had heard two eighty was maybe the high water mark, but like if in, in any case, he is strong. It's just you wonder. Uh, you, you don't necessarily expect to see him winning any foot races with Byron Buxton anytime. Yeah, soon. no, that will not happen. Uh, all right, and finally, uh, who quarterbacks the Vikings in two thousand and eighteen? I go back and forth on this one all the time, but I, I'm just going to go with Sam Bradford because Teddy Bridgewater's health is too much of a question mark. 
and anything else that they're going to like any other replacement that you try to project out it that's just too far for me to say this draft pick's going to do it or this free agent right. or trade to me Sam Bradford has a better year with a better offensive line and he earns the job for the next season as well all right Derek Wetmore in Minneapolis great stuff as always buddy we appreciate the time we'll talk to you again soon Sure. Thanks for having me, Saran. Have a good one. You bet. Derek Wetmore up there in the uh, Twin Cities, ESPN. 1500 in Minneapolis. We'll talk some more Royals baseball. Talk about the uh, lineup uh, with you. Uh, I'll take your phone calls. I know we left a number of people hanging. If we didn't get to you, we'll open the lines back up. 913-310-810. You're in the program.